Climb aboard the struggle bus. You got problems just like us. Climb aboard the struggle bus. Let Kate and Sally help you. Welcome to the struggle bus. I'm Kate. I'm Sally. And we're here to fix your lives. That said, we are two people whose only qualifications to give you advice are that we have lots of feelings and lots of opinions. Neither of which are a substitute for professional guidance. Hi. That was you that was firm. You landed on a very firm note. I like it. Thank you. Is there too much in the headphones, by the way? No, the headphones are perfection. Fantastic. Is my mouth too close You're to the perfect. mic? Perfect. You're perfect. Okay. Everyone's perfect. I need like a uh I need to be like in traction so that I can't move and you just like <laughs> the mic is just hoisted perfectly and I'm not allowed to move my body. Well, I mean with that thing on your arm, you looks like you are a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Oh, I probably shouldn't mention that. That's okay. I'll break the fourth wall. I have gauze in my arm. I'm fine. No one worry about me. <laughs> I just went to the allergist. <laughs> Go on. Yeah. And um, we were talking about dead dogs because oh. I told a story last night at a show and her dog had just passed away over the summer. Mm-hmm. I say just, but it feels like that, yeah. you know. And then um, it was a golden lab or golden retriever. Mm-hmm. And so I showed Aww. her the gift of the one golden retriever and then the second one coming out from underneath <laughs> that, like, it. And emerges. she's like, can you make that repeat? I'm like, it is a GIF. And she watched it for like a full oh, minute. Oh, God. Guys, I'll post it. Listen, hey, if you want to uh, tweet at us, you can at StrugglebusPod. Email us at StrugglebusPodcast at gmail.com if you want to ask a question or if you want to be in our secret Facebook group, um, make sure you send separate emails, one with a question and one with a request for the group uh, with the subject line denoting what you're doing just because we can't read both things at once in one email. We're, I mean, we're more, <clears throat> excuse me, monotaskers than multitaskers, yes, I would say. Yes. So um, definitely that. Instagram.com slash the struggle bus pod. Use the hashtag struggle pod buds 420 to find a struggle buddy. Our uh, website is strugglebuspodcast.com. You can go on that to uh, find out a little bit more about us. And also, I don't know, you can become a member for as little as $5 a month Sally, what do they get? Well, Catherine, they get not only a bonus episode every month, along with an archive of every bonus episode we've ever recorded. They also get uh, a ticket. I wish I had a delay button. (laughs) A ticket to ride the struggle bus, which is a little looks like a fare card you might use in a subway or a bus. Um, And it's uh, it says never ride alone. And it's just like a cool, nifty little memento to to keep on you and remember that uh, you're part of a ride community. Yeah, we have seven bonus episodes up. And may I say, the last one is really good. It's a winner. There's also a little Easter egg at the end. I don't know if you. I haven't listened yet. yet. I'm so excited. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was really fun to record, uh, and a couple people have uh, texted me about it. A couple people who are like friends who are also members. Thank you, pe- people who are friends yeah. and also members. And also, you know what? Thank you, members who I don't know personally. You yes. guys are the best. Yes. we appreciate your support. So great, wonderful, and Everyone's thank you awesome. to non-members for just listening. Yeah, th- yeah, exactly. We Not love everyone that too. has money. It's fine. You can still listen. Um. So, do you, should we jibber jabber? Yes. Do you, I think you should go first? Do okay. You, well, I mentioned this when I first came in, but also, um, I should add that we're recording late. We are because somebody, <laughs> this guy, uh, woke up at five forty-five in the morning, and I was like, I can't get out of bed. And so Sally was very kind to let me come after the work hours. But um, I did a show last night in Astoria, Queens, which is a real far away from where I live. And it was amazing. But it took me a really long time to get home. So I didn't go to bed till like 1, 1.30. Uh, it was brutal. Uh, so bad. But it was a great show. It was uh, What Are You Afraid Of? Mara Wilson, friend of the show, hosts it. And we talk about our fears. And um, I told a really uh, interesting story about my catastrophic fears and my fear of them coming to life. Yeah. And having be be proven right, which yeah. doesn't happen very often, but when you are, you're like, see, the world is against me. But it was a story about my dog, and it was really touching. Oh, that's so awesome. Mara just won a Shorty Award oh. for Best Author on Twitter. Go, Mara. It's like a Twitter award. Best Author on t- – oh, but like she won it on Twitter for being Best Author. She, I mean, there's an award ceremony, yeah, it would so be, she like but won. But it, it would be cool if there was an award for like Best – Twitter, like best Twitter user. Is I that a thing? That, I think so. I'm not sure. But she beat out Roxanne Gay and Stephen King. Holy shit. Yeah. Wow. She That's a, prestigious. She is, yeah. I have a question about storytelling, mm-hmm. which is, like, how do you do it? Like, <laughs> here's my question. I've been alive almost as long as you, mm-hmm. a few years 
less. Right. Well, in the mid-70s when I was born, there was a huge storytelling boom. <laughs> that but was, go on. Go that's on. when all the stories happened. Yeah. In utero, um, I, I absorbed it. <laughs> but like, I would love to tell some stories, but I feel like I've told my Jean Garofalo story on Tell the Bartender, and now I'm like tapped out. How do you like mine your experiences for good stories? So her specific um, thing is, what are you afraid of? Okay. Um, and I've been on the show before, and I talked about cockroaches and other things, but I actually didn't know what I was going to talk about. I had some ideas, but then it hit me the night before. I was like, oh, there's that kind of funny story about my dog getting put down and why I was so scared, basically, long story short. Um, I did a lot of research before I euthanized him. And one of the things I read was a story about these puppies in a shelter who were, you know, euthanized because that's what happens when they don't get adopted. And the next day they came in to find that one of them had survived and was in the trash can with his <sighs> brothers and sisters. And I was terrified that that would happen to my dog, that he wouldn't actually die there. And then he'd wake up like in a cold alone plate. I know, right? And the sort of end of the story is that it it did happen. Oh. I actually told the vet, I was like, make sure he's dead. And it turns out that he needed a double dose. But it's oh, not God. funny, but it's it's also I was sort of talking about how how um how that makes you feel. You're mm -hmm. almost like, Yeah, I told you so. And then it's like, come on now. Yeah, totally. But I had a nice uh ending. It was um you know, at the end of the day, I have a lot of fears and spirals and I try not to Google, you know, what's going on in North Korea on a daily basis because I know, oh, yeah, I know how my <laughs> mind works. Yeah. And, you know, I, I am rarely right in my catastrophic right. thinking. And that is all right. Yeah, totally. Mm. My, my catastrophic thinking thing is to try to remember that um, I can't do anything about it by worrying about it. Mm -hmm. Like I can't change the future anyway. So just like do a thing other than worry. Yeah. It sometimes works, sometimes doesn't. But going back to your point of what do you do? So once I remembered that story, I had to come up with a, a strong opening, a mm -hmm. strong middle and a strong button end okay. and everything else in between you kind of figure out. So what I do and everyone has their own process, I uh, go over it in my head. I take a bath. That's part of it. Mm -hmm. And I do bullet points. OK. So you like write it out? Mm, kind of. I just do bullet points of what I want to hit. OK. So I had like 15 bullet points, but then I got super busy and I didn't get a chance to look at them too much. And I was rushing to get to the show and I went on last um, because I had a meeting before that. But I took one glance at my phone and I just get up there and I kind of feel out the audience too. Mm -hmm. I have a nice opening like line mm -hmm. and I see where they're at, but they were like really in it mm -hmm. and it was packed and it was oh, cozy. Awesome. So I kind of could feel which bullet points I wanted to hit and they kind of helped me guide the story based on their reactions because I knew where it was going. But being present in front of an audience, I think mm -hmm. it's better to be looking at people and pausing and connecting because yeah. that helps you tell the story as opposed to I gotta remember all these things like totally. I didn't hit all the funny parts because at that point they didn't want funny right you right know? right you have to kind of go with what you're getting from them and like give back what they're like into or whatever yeah everyone that's, has their different processes that's cool though. um I, I want to tell some stories but I need to figure out what they are I mean definitely come with me next time we yeah, do maybe something I'll just come. try it out I don't but well we'll talk about this off mic I just I don't I don't I feel like all of my stories are like <laughs> this thing happened and then it was over it's like one sentence well yeah <laughs> but but how long were you telling your story it was about five seven minutes yeah see i don't think i ha i think i have five to seven seconds but like of stories it kind of like let's say you're telling your gene garofalo story yeah what about more about the friend the friend you were with start yeah. talking about that go into yeah. that in the background oh. go into like why you love gene garofalo a little bit more build the stakes right. and then finish right. the story oh shit like okay, it's finding cool. different avenues like that's kind of interesting and why were we in that neighborhood what movie have you just seen yeah. you can like go on these oh, tangents oh that's awesome yeah oh my god you're like a storytelling life coach i really should be that's awesome. coaching, I guess, but everyone's different. Yeah. Find what's right for you. Go to open mics. Okay. Yeah. Cool, man. Well, maybe yeah. I'll tell a story one of these days. I want you to. Oh, um, I need to know what your jibber jabber is. Okay. Well, so I just finished the book Tipping the Velvet, which is a 1998 uh, Sarah Waters debut novel. You may know Sarah Waters as um, a an author who has written a lot of lesbian fiction. Um, and I have so she wrote the book Fingersmith, which I have not read, but I've seen the movie. It's a BBC. I think it was like a BBC mini series or maybe a BBC movie. It's so good. Everyone should see it. Um, and Tipping the Velvet was like <laughs> it, it, it takes place in like the 1880s and 1890s. And it's about this young woman who's like figuring out that she's a lesbian and it's almost like a historical novel. I feel like Sarah Waters must have done a an, a shit ton of research to like, she, just like, I mean, just the geography of England that is taking place that's like being described and the, like the, all the different like, like tipping the velvet is, I guess, like a, an, a, a Victorian, is like a Victorian phrase for 
going down on a woman. Oh, why? Which no idea. Uh-huh. Um, but it's like, but she, I mean, that's like the tip of the iceberg. It's like she, there's all this like language in there. I mean, I guess this is what authors do. They like pick a time period and then they figure out how to make the book seem like it's actually taking place in that time <laughs> yeah, period. Yeah, yeah. But it was just like it was so immersive, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just so rarely read queer characters that feel like they could really exist and that like inhabit a, a reality that I could inhabit. Um, not that I am in like 19th century England, but just like her friendships and relationships and how she starts to like understand her sexuality. And Mm. she like really like plays with her gender and experiments with her gender a lot. Uh, And I don't know, it just really like, uh, it was also really, it it just, it really clicked for me and I really enjoyed it. And Mm. I think I want everyone to read it, but also like, check it out. It was also really, there was like a lot of sex and it was, and it was really, uh, and like sexual stuff. And I was like, well, I, I, do, I do declare. I was like feeling like a prude when I was reading it. Clutching your pearls and I fetching was. your fainting couch. I was, I was like, this is completely inappropriate. And then I was like, wait, I'm an adult alone reading a book. Like I, this is fine. But it was just interesting to like have this reaction to like all this like sexual stuff. Remember when Betty Draper bought a fainting couch? Or it was Betty yeah. Francis at that time, right? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Oh my God. Oh God, that yeah. painting couch. The painting couch. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Speaking of like uncomfortable <laughs> sexuality moments in things we Yeah, what was up with that? Um, oh, that's man. that's for a it's for another episode. Yeah. Um <laughs> but the other thing I wanted to talk about is that um I got a five gallon bucket of <laughs> peanut butter today. Um <laughs> by accident? <laughs> well, what happened was I tweeted something a while ago about how I thought that peanut butter that peanut butter should come in containers that you can fit your hand into. Oh, wait, is that the person who's like sent you that amazing message on Twitter? The video? Well, no, wait, was there a video? Yes. About him making a peanut butter jar out of peanut butter, like in the clay spinner. Oh yeah. Did they send me that gif? Was that what it was? Yes. Yeah. Maybe it was the same. That was amazing. So yeah, they sent me a five gallon bucket of peanut butter, a five gallon bucket of peanuts, um, a name plate, they, they like kind of mined my Twitter profile and sent me like all these different things. Wait, so so wh- the nameplate says Sally Tamarkin peanut butter sommelier, which is amazing. So like, what? <laughs> who are these people? Like so they have a lot of followers. I know. So it's the National Peanut Board, and um, I guess that they like represent I don't know peanut growers or peanut product makers. I'm not really sure. But like a lot of times, what happens is like when you write in any kind of like media, a a PR rep sees that you wrote something and they're like, oh, I see you wrote this thing. Like, can I send you a thing? And you're like, you know, I'm, I'm probably like, I can't really accept gifts for coverage, but as long as you understand that I'm not going to like cover this, you can't just because you're no, like you can't, because it can't be a thing where like you, you know, someone gives you like some amazing set of uh, like expensive sneakers and then you like write a, re- a positive review and you're like, I-, I got these great sneakers. Oh, you mean at your work? Mm-hmm. But yeah. like your personal account, you can, right? But like they, they find... Like they find me like through my work, you know what I'm saying? Oh, like I so, so, so they wouldn't find me if I wrote to them tonight demanding a jar of peanut butter. Well, they might, okay. but I think the fact that like I... I'm a, like a reporter at a news outlet gotcha. makes them be like, oh, maybe she'll like keep us in mind for a future thing. Or Got maybe it. someday she'll write about like five gallon buckets of peanut butter she loves. Um, so anyway, so a lot of times you, I just get like random stuff and uh, and often I just like give it away. But I mean, now I have a five gallon bucket of peanut butter. <laughs> um, I'll share some pictures. It's pretty awesome. Uh, here, I'll show you. Oh, one. my gosh. I Well, I'm going to test out this theory and I'm going to I'm going to tweet at them tonight and just see if it. they send me something because I'm allowed to talk about things. Right. Yeah, you sure are. If they're like, here's something for you. I'd be like, yeah, I'll, I'll take that. And I you want should the- tag them. Um, Somalia, so that's that. me. That's an overhead shot. <gasps> oh, of my God. <laughs> I'll share it. There's another one too where I'm like, I'm carrying it. Anyway, so this isn't good uh, listening because it's a visual thing, which you can't see. It's amazing. But yeah, it's pretty great. Sally, that's so cool. I feel pretty great about it. So if anyone needs any peanut butter between now and like 2027, I got you covered. I'll be there. Oh, man. So speaking of peanut butter, Mm -hmm. what did you do for self-care? Well, so this actually ties into the story I told. So yesterday I had kind of a busy day, but it wasn't that busy. And the news has been really depressing me and terrifying me. And I agreed to do this show weeks ago. And I was getting anxious about it. I also had the meeting before the show. It was for the neo-futurists. It's Mm. like a business meeting. So I'm like still, 
you know, sort of like learning my way around. I go up in two weeks and I'm kind of getting wow. a little anxious because I have to start, you know, officially doing more writing and stuff and rehearsing. And um, I got really anxious yesterday and I was like, wait a minute. What would either my therapist or what would someone what would I say to someone who wrote into the show saying uh, I'm not feeling whatever? Mm-hmm. Why are you feeling anxious? Why are you feeling like I don't want to leave the house? I don't know because I'm telling a story about my dead dog. Like it was an upsetting story. It's a good call. And I was like, right now it didn't change the fact that I was like kind of a bundle of nerves going into the meeting and then the the show, but. It helped me get through. I had such a great time. It was such a wonderful show. It was great to see Mara. And um, one of the news, uh, Kyra, came with me. And um, yeah, it was really, it was a really great night. But I listened to me, someone who gives advice but rarely takes her own. That's amazing. So that was good. Well done. Thank you. Um, Sally. What did I do? So I, yeah, so mine's a little sad. Um, My cat of like 15 years her name is monkey she actually lives at in connecticut with my parents um and she has since like i don't know like 2004 or something Mm -hmm. like that um she's like like ill and like probably going to die pretty soon either naturally or because we'll have to put her down we're talking a lot about euthanizing pets in this episode yeah i know um we'll work that into an episode title yeah we will Um, just one big content warning (laughs) yeah so um I so yeah so I found out from my mom on like I think Friday Mm -hmm. that she had like taken a turn and so um I decided to go see her on Saturday so I took the train there and like it was really really good to spend time with her like we just like hung out and I like pet her and you sent me pictures I sent you pictures um she's really sweet and she also like just like I adopted her in like 2000 maybe like I guess two with the person I was dating at the time and we were living together and so like monkey was like our cat and yeah. And like, she was just, I don't know. And she moved here. She moved from Chicago with us, like back to Connecticut and she like rode in the truck with us. And like, I I just feel really like attached to her, you know, even though she hasn't like lived with me in a while. Um, And like, I had a lot of stuff going on this weekend and I was, it was like not a good weekend to like take an entire day and like go, well, as you know, we had to like reschedule mm-hmm. our recording cause you were very kind about it. Yeah. I um, got you back today, didn't I? Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. And now we're even, um, but like, yeah, like I, I, I felt like, I I couldn't not both like for monkey's sake, but also to be honest, like it's more about me it, and, and like, cause monkey, like, I don't think she would have known, if I would, if I didn't come home, if I wouldn't have, I don't think she would have been like, what the fuck? How is Sally not here right now? Um, but it was for me and I'm really glad I did it. And actually, when I was, I don't know if I told you this, but when I was home for Passover, so Monkey is really, really attached to my mom. They are like best friends. My mom's really attached to her. Mm-hmm. They're like, they have a very like companionate relationship. And Monkey pretty much is like, she's not a mean cat, but she's not very cuddly. Um, and she doesn't really sit on laps or anything except my mom's lap she's like spends a lot of time with and on my mom and when I was home for Passover um monkey I thought looks kind of haggard and I was like something might you know she's 16 maybe she's getting old Mm -hmm. but then she like got up on my lap and she sat there for like an hour which is like pretty unprecedented like she's never done that and like when my mom told me a couple weeks later that it looked like she was dying. I, you know, cats are known for sort of being aware. They, they like have a process of mm-hmm. like, they're like wrapping things up. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like they ha- there's like intention around how they like decide to, you know, step off this moral coil. And uh, I, I really feel like when she got on my lap, she was sort of like saying her goodbyes kind um... of, you know? And so there was a moment where I was like, maybe I don't have to go home because monkey said goodbye to me. And then I was like, you know what? I really want to like spend some time with her. So I did. So I went home, we hung out, we spent the day together and uh, I pet her, gave her some pets and talked to her a little bit and like wished her well on her journey. And then, and I came back to New York and it was just, it was just really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm so sorry. Thanks, that is man. really hard. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, monkey. Yeah. I never, I didn't think I, I didn't really realize how attached I was to her. I got attached to my friend's pets too. Yeah. We lost a dog this year. We, my friend's dog, but it was, mm. it was my, my Jesse, uh, Jesse was my dog. Um, his best friend, one of his many best Aww. friends, but we'd like vacation together and stuff. So little Gracie went up to what they call the rainbow bridge this Aww. year. And I truly like, I don't, I'm not religious and mm-hmm. no judgment at all, but I don't believe in heaven or, mm-hmm. you know, a thing like that. I kind of 
have to believe in heaven for pets. Mm-hmm. I swear to you, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know how or why, but I'm like, no, they're playing up there. Yeah. Like, that's what's happening. Totally. Jesse's totally taking playing. care of Gracie. Um, John and Molly Neffel's dog, Abby's up there. Aww. Oh, yeah. Like, I... They're all hanging out. I picture this. Yeah. They're all best friends, and they probably all have a podcast together in heaven. Oh, my heaven. God. That would be the best. <laughs> a pet heaven podcast. Gracie, Abby, and Jesse. It's like, dear Abby and Gracie and Jesse. Hey, oh my goodness, you guys. Anyway, that's so sad. I'm I'm very sorry, but it's good Thank to you. hear you could get, you know, some goodbyes. Yeah, in, it was I good. Guess. And also, like, she's pretty like she I feel like she's had a really good life. Like, I guess I mean, I'm not her. So maybe she doesn't love sitting <laughs> around and like sleeping and eating. But her life seems like it's been good. She's been healthy. We re- we got her from a shelter. She had been like homeless. So I don't know. I feel like she's like had a good run. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Anyway. Yeah. Um, okay. Oh, well, let's see that. how many more times we can mention uh, pets wow. being uh, put to sleep. Sorry, in the guys. <laughs> Sorry. Welcome, everyone. Um, um, this one first email. Okay. They want a name from Buffy. Mm-hmm. Um, I will leave I, that to you. Okay. Yeah. I wish I had been keeping track of like the names we've used because honestly, I am losing track. Okay. How about? I don't think we've used. Have we used Darla? I don't. Think I don't think. Does so. that ring a bell? I don't think so. Okay. But yeah. Actually, you know what? Let's do Harmony. Oh, Have we it's done Harmony? Nice. No. It's a good name. That's a great name. Okay. All right. Dear Kate and Sally, first and foremost, I want to say how much I love your podcast. Since I started listening, it's become an integral. Is it integral or integral? I'd say either. Mm. Wait, I say, I think I say integral. Yeah. All right. It's become an integral part of my self-care routine. Before I get to my question, I should probably provide some background info. I'm a 24-year-old lesbian, and I'm in a healthy, loving relationship with the woman of my dreams. My girlfriend is kind, thoughtful, and hilarious. We share similar values, and I couldn't imagine spending my life with anyone else. Lately, we've even started talking about getting engaged. Almost everything is great, but there's one issue. My girlfriend is a twin, and her sister is 100% financially dependent on her. She's never had a job and shows little interest in getting one. Because of this, she can't contribute to the rent, groceries, or any of the myriad bills my partner and, to a lesser extent, their mom has to pay. Have to pay. The added financial burden is a constant source of stress for my girlfriend. She's a chef and makes decent money for someone our age, but she rarely has anything left to save or spend on herself. I've watched her cry in a panic attacks due to the stress, and I want to offer some sort of solution. On a somewhat selfish level, I worry that if and when we do get married, she'll still be supporting her sister. Efforts to talk to her sister seem fruitless. Whenever someone approaches her about getting a job, she bursts into tears. I've offered to rewrite her resume, but she's never taken me up on the offer. I text pictures, links my girlfriend whenever to links to my girlfriend whenever I see a job posting, but to no avail. Doing much else seems pushy, and as an only child, I don't exactly understand the twin dynamic, and I don't want it to seem like I'm meddling. So here are my questions. How do I help support my girlfriend without seeming nosy or overly involved? Also, how can I bring up my concerns about our future without sounding like a selfish jerk? Uh, I'm sorry for how long and rambly that got. It didn't. Thanks again for the amazing show. Sincerely, Harmony. Thank you for that. Yeah, good good questions, mm-hmm. Harmony. That's a great one, yeah. Well, I think I think this is like one of those situations where um I think like the best route to go down would be instead of trying to like fix what you perceive to be the problem by like sending links and rewriting a resume, you actually approach it by talking to your girlfriend about this thing that is like not working for you in your relationship mm. um, because either you're trying to plan for the future and, you know, money is important when it comes to building a future together. I don't think that that's selfish. I think that's just like real. Mm-hmm. And also like, I think it's, it's tough to uh, see your partner suffer, especially when they're suffering because they're like stuck in an ongoing dynamic that is like not being resolved and doesn't seem like it's going to be resolved anytime soon. So I think you actually have a lot of, um, like, I, I don't really, I don't think you'll sound selfish if you go to her and talk about this as like a, Hey, I see this affecting your well-being. I see it potentially like coming, uh, coming, like being in the mix when we plan our future. Is there a way that we can like talk about this? I think that that, I think that like, trying to like do the actual problem solving um, is going to be really frustrating for you because it sounds like it's not going anywhere. And it's also like you're taking it upon yourself 
and and it's like you're taking it upon yourself to solve problems in 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 the specific ways that I'm I'm guessing you think are are would be like appropriate solutions but it doesn't sound like from what you described doesn't sound like the problem is that this person like doesn't know doesn't know how to write a resume or doesn't know how mm-hmm. to like find jobs it's like there's another thing going on here that who knows what is happening around her like wanting to depe- be dependent on her twin and her mother and who knows what's going on with like the mother and your girlfriend that they want to be in this thing with them or that they are in this thing with mm-hmm. them maybe they don't want to be but i don't think that um solving the like symptoms are is the way to go yeah i totally agree like the thing is you know i think deep down you know you can't change your girlfriend's mind she has to want to want to do the thing and you can't you know change the mother's mind and you can't change the sister's mind but what you can do is advocate for yourself in the relationship because uh it's it's a really powerful conversation when you say like I'm getting affected by this. Mm-hmm. I'm not happy. Um, it's really hard on me. And I don't think it's selfish. And I I mean, who knows? Your girlfriend might say so, but I doubt she would. It sounds like you're in a really healthy, loving relationship. I mean, there's times where I didn't realize having someone in my life or something that was happening um, it was stressing my boyfriend out because I was, I mean, I'll just say it. The events of last year were very difficult for yeah, me totally. um, with with the uh, podcasting stuff and the uh, Jamie Kilstein incident. I It really kind of took a huge toll on my own um, stuff. And it did come up in conversation of like, you know, not not specifically my, my boyfriend was worried about me. Like, are you OK? But at some point I felt I don't want our relationship to suffer because I really need to compartmentalize mm-hmm. this. And I thought a lot about it, but I didn't see it at first, you mm-hmm. know. Totally. So it's really important to hear that. Again, he didn't say exactly as much, but it was it was kind of hinted at. Mm-hmm. And I he was right. Um, so it's not wrong at all to say, I'm I'm so sorry. I don't know what to do. I don't have the answers. But for me, this isn't working out mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah. No need for an ultimatum. But like, yeah, just yeah. No, definitely an ultimatum. It talk it out. And I think like I think it's a really good point. Like it can you can definitely like not see how something is affecting your partner. Um, and so don't assume that she already like knows this. Um, and I also think that a lot of stuff you wrote in the email would be good to say, such as like, hey, I don't want to like meddle in your relationship with your twin uh, and I don't want to be nosy, but I do see that like you're really going through it. I mean, panic attacks, that's a lot, you know, and I, I just I think that you can like come at it from a really like, how can I support you because I love you and care about you. And also like this is affecting me, too. Yeah, you know? exactly. And, you know, being a chef, anyone ever worked at a restaurant, they work extremely long hours for very little money. Mm-hmm. So I can't imagine having to support an extra person, let alone myself. Totally. You know, and we don't know what's going on with the sister, but you know what? We don't really need to yeah. because it sounds like the sister's being taken care of, but you're, you need to be happy in your relationship and it's not being selfish. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's, I think if, if I was dating someone and they like didn't have money to like do stuff as a couple, um, or save for our future or both because they were like giving money to someone who like was capable of earning their own money, but for whatever reason wasn't, I would be like, that would be aggravating. Mm -hmm. Like just to like, you're not coming from a selfish place like I don't at all yeah yeah the number one reason people fight sometimes in a relationship I've heard is money and Mm. that's why it's so important to be really honest up front and you know get it out of the way before it builds up because it it can be totally complicated thing but let us know you know open the conversation and um yeah yeah oh thank you for writing in yeah good luck harmony all right this is oh they requested a name yes they said you can call me nobody from the odyssey mm-hmm. which i've never read have you read the odyssey i think so yes but like i don't remember high school, it was high school. Yeah. Yeah, yeah i missed a lot of required reading mm-hmm. um okay hi everyone i am relatively new in town been here for a little over a year and while i know it takes time to make friends as an adult i thought i was doing well i've been to a few parties i am friends with my roommates and i have hobbies that keep me in touch with people This past week was my birthday and I thought I'd arrange to a get together to go bowling. I gave nearly everyone I invited about a week's notice and several of them said they would come. The night of the bowling party, every single person canceled last minute. I invited about 10 people and every single one of them either declined or canceled. Well, this fucked me up real good. I spent that night either ugly crying or just having tears seep out of my eyes. I am writing this the morning after and I'm still crying and can barely get out of bed. I did reach out to a few people to say how hurt I am and a few of them were apologetic and offered to hang out sometime in the future. 
To give a brief backstory on why I am reacting with such grief, I was always a shy only child who moved around a lot due to my dad being in the military, and I spent a good chunk of my K to 12 years without many friends. I came out of my shell during college, but I never had the large social friend family I always craved. Also, because I graduated during the recession, I had to put off plans on moving to the city of my dreams for nearly 10 years. I spent much of my 20s as a nomad, chasing after internships and elusive permanent jobs. It was hard to put down roots. Now I'm finally here and I thought things were looking up for me. I'm 32 and I wonder, is this going to be my life? Am I going to constantly beg for scraps of attention and affection? I thought I was doing all the right things. I feel so hopeless now. Nobody. Mm. Oh man, I'm so sorry about that. Uh, And as someone who was canceled on people's parties because I (laughs) sometimes don't want to go, you know, I don't know enough of the backstory. It's honestly possible that, you know, they didn't mean, you know, harm and really just could not, you know, come to the party. It's, it's so hard organizing a party because even at my 40th birthday, I was like, what if nobody comes? Yeah, it's totally. like you never know, right? Yeah. Um, and when it's something like bowling, if you have to rent the space, you really need to like nail down people and have them sort of confirm. So I'm real sorry that happened. That said, you know, I, if you were moving around a lot and just sort of had this nomadic life and hadn't had as many or have get used to a circle of friends that's been in your life for a while, it can be a little bit strange. But it sounds like you're doing the right things of just sort of going out and hanging out. But I will say, don't expect too much from people. And I don't mean that in a bad way. But if you're meeting other people in their 30s or maybe they're starting to get married or something else and everyone's in a different headspace, sometimes people just don't show up to things and it's nothing against you. Mm -hmm. So try not to take it personally. I mean, unfortunately, people are busy or doing their own things. So if you really are looking to sort of have a companion, it sounds to me like I read you have hobbies where you're social. Maybe find just one or two people you like to have coffee with a couple times a week or something and start there. Like just have a a couple close people Mm -hmm. that you like that, you know, you kind of want to explore. It's like dating a little bit, but, you know, it's you get to know people instead of getting to know too many people. Right. Just maybe start off with some one on one contact with somebody you really like and Mm, just that's good. idea. You know, yeah, totally. It's a nice feeling to have someone. What about you, Sally? What do you think? Well, as someone who has like not gone to parties um, (laughs) of people who I really liked because I didn't feel like being social or I really didn't want to go to a party or no offense, I definitely would not have gone to your bowling party um, because I don't like bowling and I don't like parties. So it's like a bad combo. Um, But as someone who has not gone to those things, even when I like really like the person and like want to be friends with them and want to maintain their friendship, I can tell you that this doesn't necessarily mean that these people don't want to be your friend. Um, You know, I think that like a sample size of 10, especially when it's like a bowling party um, with people in their 30s. Like I I think that's that's not a I wouldn't take the data from this as like meaning that you don't have friends and people don't care with you and it's hopeless care about you and it's yeah. hopeless. I think that if you said that like you've made 50 plans, 50 like you, you've made plans with 50 people over the past year and every single person has canceled, I would be like, it sounds like no one wants to be your friend. Um, but that is not what you're saying. And I'm not saying that that it wouldn't be totally devastating um, for if this happened to me because it would. And in fact, like I want to commend your bravery at like throwing a party for yourself anyway, which is a thing that like I've avoided doing because I've been afraid like what if people don't come or what if it just not even what if people don't come? What if it goes down in a way that makes me feel like worse about myself than I did than I felt before it happened. So I think it's really cool that you wanted to do this. I really totally understand why it would be so devastating. Um, So I don't want you to think I'm trying to like talk you out of like feeling bad about it because I totally get it, Um, particularly when you share like your backgrounds with like moving around a lot and stuff like that. But I just think that like um, especially if you told people that you were hurt, which by the way, I think is so fucking awesome that you did that and they apologized and said they wanted to hang out. I think that that's like further proof that this isn't about you being alone forever. This is about... It just so happened that like 10 people, which is really honestly not very many people, all bailed on the same thing. And I think, you know, if you it's like a numbers game, like if you had invited 30 people, you would have had a 20 person party. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. You know, so, um, you know, I think that like, I mean, I don't know you and like maybe there's I I think I would be remiss. Like I, I can't tell you for sure that all these people really do want to be friends with you. And this is just a fluke. Like, I think I'd be remiss if I didn't say like 
you know, what kind of a friend do you think you are? Like, what kind of experience do you think people have when they're hanging out with you? What do you think you bring to relationships and friendships? Like, do you feel like satisfied with like what you offer people? Um, because I think like it's good to always do that. Like, I think that's like a good process to be in, not to always like question whether or not you're worthy of having friends, but just like be in conversation with yourself about what you're giving to another person and what they're giving to you and like how that's working. So I think that um, some combination of that and also not reading too far into this one thing would be totally awesome because you sound rad. Mm -hmm. um, you sound really self-aware. You sound really like um, like self-possessed, like telling people that they hurt you. I don't know. I just I think that's so awesome. I think people like don't do that often. Mm -hmm. That's like so honest. And I think like I would do what Catherine said, which is like, you know, like keep like hanging out with like a couple of people that you really like and like strengthen those friendships. It's I think you said you're new to where you live a little mm -hmm. over a year. Mm -hmm. I think it takes like so long to feel rooted somewhere. Like I this time around, I've lived in New York for like five years and I'm like basically just starting to feel like I have like a community of friends. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I think it can. And I'm not saying that's how it is for everyone, but I just I mean, you know, I don't think like a year is that long. Yeah. You know, also what's interesting is I was just reminded of that scene in Beaches where her mom throws her a birthday party and nobody shows oh, up. I don't remember that. The bullies. And I'm like, I cried during that. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's that scene in 13 going on 30 where same thing. She invites all the popular girls, but they leave her in a closet tied up. Oh. For the, not tied up, but like blindfolded for one of those kiss in the closet things mm. and they invited the boy and then they left um so <sighs> i got really affected by those when i watched them when i was younger uh and yes i watched 13 going on 30 when i was in my mid-20s but um <laughs> but i i'm just thinking now like i do have a, a very adverse reaction to people not liking me and i i tend to um blow it up a little bit more in my head and make it into something else and i realize it goes back to other things so you've already laid this out you know you've spent most of your life not being able to keep friendships and finally were able to, you know, blossom in, in college and start to make friends. But you're still now getting back into it because you move. So, of course, this is going to be at the forefront. Like, yeah, throwing a party and having people not come, that happens to everyone. But I think why are you that as upset as you are is very important to note. So you you haven't had this experience of a group of friends. And you know what? Like Sally said, no judgment on you, but a lot of times people just don't go to things, mm -hmm. myself included. I totally. definitely have bailed. Mm -hmm. I bailed on a show and it turns out they had a birthday present for me. Aww. I know. Bummer. And they were like, oh, we have a present for you. I was like, God damn it. So it doesn't mean I don't like him. It just means I was double booked or and I apologize. Mm -hmm. But um, try not to take it personally because if they didn't want to go, they would have said no. Mm -hmm. you That's know? true. They would have just said no. <laughs> yeah, and they wouldn't be like, oh, sorry, can we hang out in the future? Exactly. You know, like I I, I think I've probably like not gone to more things thrown by people I like than like gone to things thrown by people I like in my life. Like truly, Very, yeah. I don't like going to stuff. And uh, like I'm so much more likely to want to do a one-on-one -on -one hang with someone than I am to want to go to a party, especially if I like don't know the other people there or it's like late <laughs> um, yeah. or it's like an activity. So I just, I mean, yeah, I just think like just to like belabor the point further, like, I, I mean, this is definitely like it, it is devastating, but also don't conclude from it that like your situation's hopeless and that you're always going to be alone. Exactly. Because you won't. You won't. Yeah. Oh, well, let us know. Yeah. Keep us posted. Um, nobody. Yeah. Okay. So we need another name. Okay. Here's the thing. They used, we used a name for them last time that's at the bottom of this. Should we I use know, it again? I, I couldn't remember which was their real name and which was the one we gave them. I know that. Melchior is not a real name because it's from Spring Awakening. Oh, perfect. So right? let's do that. Yeah. Okay. I think, am I allowed to use that, right? Because um, this is the second time. with that. Yeah, they did. Yeah, okay, okay, yeah. Second time writing in. I don't think their real first name is Melchior. <laughs> I think okay, I cool. gave it to them. Um, awesome. Okay, content warning for sexual assault. Hi, Kate and Sally. Second time writer now. The last time I wrote in, it was regarding how to manage having a friend's abuser in a shared circle of friends. Since then, I'm very happy to say I have effectively separated myself from that individual, as well as started hosting a weekly brunch for people who aren't terrible. My current quandary, th though, involves being in the same physical space as my abuser. Here's the situation. It's been a few months away at this point, but ultimately I'm doing my last real quarter at college soon, then walking at graduation. But then I move back home, commuting back to college to finish up a few classes over the two summer half sessions a few days a week. That's a whole thing in itself, not getting to just be free after graduation. But my real problem is the moving home. 
I can't really avoid moving home for financial reasons, and my ex-abusive partner still lives in my hometown. I have friends who deal with seeing their rapists around campus, but I've never had to do that. Now, though, I have to go back, and I don't know how to do it. My mom knows about the situation, but honestly isn't supportive in the ways I'd like her to be. She vacillates between extremes, uh, for example, being angry for me, asking if it was her fault, asking if it was really that big of a deal, etc. My dad knows very little. My little brother, 17 soon and taller than me, knows very vague details, but is my BFF and feminist ally in training. I have exactly one friend who still lives nearby, and they are super rad, but very busy managing their own small business. My main support network, though, will be scattered across the United States for grad school and work. My partner, um, can I say this? No? Yeah, it's a okay, joke. This is the best. Yeah. My partner, wait, I, I, I can't, I missed it. Okay, here we go. Sorry, guys. My partner, we're reading off a Google Doc when Sally takes notes. Uh, my page oh, jumps. Shit, no, sorry. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> my partner, my Dwayne, my Rock, my Johnson. So great. Love that. Who I currently live with will also be at his parents' home for the summer, about six hours away from me. But at the end of the summer, we'll be moving together to his grad school, where I'll hopefully be able to score a sweet job in a biomed lab. I'm so excited for the new location, to be with him, to get a cat, and to be out in the world working and living and meeting new people. But I'm so emotionally bogged down in the thought of having to go back home. I routinely see my abuser's family members in the course of daily activities when I'm home, driving, getting groceries, walking the dog, because we all live so close together and so many things around town just bring me back to a really awful place emotionally. It's already doing a number on my mental health and just how do I exist for like three months in such a barren emotional hellscape? Any advice on this would be rad because my current plan is just to stay inside and cry. Thank you for enduring my novella and of all the good wishes to y'all, Melchior. Oh, and there's a picture of cats and a dog. Yeah, that, that there's a, a dog in like a meadow cats of flowers. And basket and the dog with yeah, and cat in a basket. Okay, sorry. Um, no, that, that's perfectly fine. <laughs> Excellent we photography. We have three episode title options, and they all come from Melchior's email. Oh, my gosh. Put that out there. Great. So, um, yeah, this is really rough um, because it sounds like you will see this person around, which is terrible, but also it sounds like, I mean, it doesn't sound like the place you're staying and you go home to every night and waking up in every morning, which should be your sanctuary and like your safe space is like, it does. It sounds like it's not super safe because your mom's reactions while, like you said, she vacillates between extremes. A couple of them are like really unfair and it's so shitty. She's putting those on you and I'm really sorry. Um, so I think it's really hard. I think like, you know, when you're in a situation where like you have to go to campus, but thank God you get to come home to a safe space uh -huh. or like, you know, home is not a safe space, but thank God you get to be on campus all day. Obviously that's not an ideal situation, but at least you have a place that feels safe. Um, I think not having either place be safe is really tough. And so I would say, like, can you find a third space that feels really safe, like that you can just be in and exist in, um, like maybe a place where you know your ex would never go or an, a place that you feel really connected to for some reason and where it just feels like not just physically safe, but emotionally like buoys you. Um, because sometimes I just I feel like physically having a place to go is really important if like if another if another huge important place in your day is not giving you that. Um, the other thing I would consider is like getting involved with some sort of short-term like counseling situation if you can, like in your hometown, just to kind of get you through because um, it's like, it's not just like kind of uncomfortable and awkward. It's like potentially like triggering of like a yeah. trauma reaction or a post-traumatic reaction or something. So um, I think that like that's a kind of situation that calls for like leveling up a little bit in terms of like, getting some professional help. Yeah. I Catherine, mean, what do you think? Yeah, it's a very tough situation because obviously, you know, you could never see this person, right? You could spend all summer and actually never see them, but spend all summer worrying. Totally. And you're, you'll be wrecked and just like so emotionally exhausted. Or you could be like, all right, I'll deal with it. And then just see this person and get triggered. Um, but I will say, I... Uh, Gosh, as much as you can understand that you don't have control over whether or not they're going to be in the Dwayne Reed or do they have Dwayne Reeds everywhere? Sure. Wawa, uh, whatever. S yeah. Super America. Wiggly Wiggly. Yeah. Any one of those things. Um, you know, yes, you might see this person, but maybe have 
have someone at the ready on text. Mm-hmm, I've done that mm-hmm. before. You know, I think I texted you once and I was like, I don't want to yeah. do this thing. Um, ha- have sunglasses ready, things like that. I know it sounds ridiculous, but if you're able to then, you know, sh- scoot away at any moment, make your phone ring all of a sudden. I know it sounds so cheesy, but little things like that, at least you feel like you have tools. And it mm-hmm. sounds to me like you've got a huge support system, mm-hmm. which is excellent. That said, I can't tell you not to worry in that, you know, because I understand you're going to feel it. But, you know, every day is different. Um, I think it'll get a little bit easier and then just know that soon you're going to be out of there. And so long as you feel physically safe, if you see this person, I mean, not emotionally, but it's something that um, you may have to deal with on the fly. Mm-hmm. Um, and it sucks. Yeah, I, I, I feel like I'm not giving advice, but no, I, I can't sugarcoat great. it. That just there's do little things yeah. in prep and just know you can just turn around and walk away. Um, but it's good to have people uh, on speed on, dial. Yeah, on standby. Mm-hmm. I think also um, if if you are going to, if you think you're going to be dealing with like a panic reaction, I think like having a couple of things you can have in the old back pocket yeah. where you can sort of calm yourself down. I mean, I do a thing when I'm on planes. I do a breathing exercise when I'm on planes that, I mean, you can like Google like really good, quick. It's, it's not, you don't have to like go find a dark cave and like achieve nirvana and like a state of equanimity (laughs) to like do this. It's not like hardcore intense meditation. It's just, it's really just like closing your eyes, breathing and like visualizing something, but that shit can like bring your heart rate down. And I think, and calm you and bring your heart rate down and calming you makes those really scary feelings of panic subside a little bit. And then you can like gather your wits and be like, okay, now what do I do next? Mm. Um, I don't know if you're dealing with a panic reaction. So that's just a thought, but, um, and I think another thing, here's the thing that I do, which may totally be not helpful to you. <laughs> so, you know, please feel free to disregard. But um, if I am worried about, if I'm anticipating something, having a run in with someone who I'm really, is going to make me like fly into a panic, for example, or is going to like really trigger me to feel really unhinged in like scary ways. Sometimes what I do is I think through what the absolute worst case scenario would be. That's actually very helpful. You yeah. know, um, and uh, this doesn't work if you feel physically in danger around this person. This only this only really, I think, helps if the danger is like emotional. Um, but I'll think through and be like, OK, the worst thing that can happen is that they make me have a panic attack I, for a second, am worried that I'm dying. I realize I'm not dying having a panic attack. It's incredibly scary. I start crying. I run away. And it's it's embarrassing. I have an embarrassing moment in public. Someone sees me leave my coffee on the counter or someone sees me like drive on the curb when I drive away or something. And then and then it passes. And so the only like the worst case scenario is like it feels absolutely terrible. I feel like I've been run over by a Zamboni emotionally. Maybe I embarrassed myself. Maybe I cried in public. But I can recover from all those things. Yeah, that's that's an amazing way of putting you know? it. Yeah. So, I mean, I think, again, like if the worst case scenario is that like, you could be physically hurt or something, like obviously this is not helpful. But it just it helps for me to keep things in perspective because if if like you've I think about certain people in my life, one in particular, like I recovered from being from this person being in my life for so many fucking years. I know I can recover from having a run in with them. Huh. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that's just like a, a little it's it's like a, a sort of not mind game, but it's like a little thing I do just for myself in my head to just kind of make me be like, this is going to be okay. Yeah. And also you're straight crushing it, Melchior. You are a lot stronger than you think. Um it it's it's amazing what you've been through and that you're able to be so just aware and and um you know fully um, present and know exactly what's happening and just know that I think you are extremely strong and it sucks that you've had to go through all of that but um, my goodness you're you're gonna be okay mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and everything you're feeling is completely valid uh, I will also say that if there's like a party situation or a social circle thing absolutely ask a friend to find out if they're gonna be there ahead mm-hmm. of time totally that 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 will help for little things like that too. I have to do that for some people. Um, you know, it's just one of those things where you take these little precautions, but just keep keep in mind you're almost out of that situation. Totally. You are fucking crushing it. And it sounds like you've got a really great support network, you know. Totally. And your mom, you know, um, she's gonna be momming and yeah. she's probably not gonna change. So just 
somehow learn to drown it out or say, I don't want to talk about this topic or something like that. Maybe set some boundaries if that works. And if not, I hear you. But, you know. Or just like, yeah, like write down a list of things that like really help you that like you ideally would want to hear if someone was saying all the right things. And like every time she says something that makes you feel bad, just like take out the list and read it and just like try to like undo it or, or ask a friend, like text a friend and be like, Hey, I need you to like say something really nice to me because my mom is being terrible right now. Yeah. I think that's totally legit. Yeah. You know, well, thank you. So much. Yeah. Thanks for writing in milk here. Dog. My God. Um, so listen, we're we're pretty much done. We're Holy early. Shit. We are. How long has it been? Forty nine minutes. We should insert eleven minutes of white noise. Absolutely. Well, have I made that joke before? Don't think Probably. I won't. Uh, well, I had the crickets. The, my new crickets app made a, an appearance on uh, the bonus show. Nice. Yeah, several times. I was really proud of that. Yeah. Well, it, I helped you out by telling a really terrible joke and also telling it, I think, wrongly. Yeah. And you so did. that was a good cue for you. Yeah, I have this uh, cricket app, uh, you guys, for when I make a really bad joke because I have a new client I'm working with and I get really nervous around them and I make dad jokes um, and which are just uh, totally hokey puns that are not funny at all and they still want to work with me which is hilarious but I finally was like yeah you know like I make these dumb jokes and he's like yeah and I was like because I but I, I'm really funny in real life but like I'm nervous because you're like a big deal and they're like yeah well what I do is I have an air horn uh, on my phone for when I make a hilarious <laughs> joke and I want to leave a party and I go and then walk out and I'm That's like oh my god amazing so I told him I was going to get the crickets app for when I tell terrible jokes nice. and he said deal I love it I'll tell you eventually who they are but they're a really awesome organization and cool. I'm very excited to be doing their podcast nice so yeah so oh I guess it's not time for song of the week because we have other things to talk about right which are that <laughs> look I'm just going to smoothly go into it nice you should email us at strugglebuspodcast at gmail.com and tell us if you want to be in the super secret Facebook group or if you have something you'd like us to discuss on the show mm-hmm. you can find us on Twitter at strugglebuspod and use the hashtag strugglepodbuds420 uh, we are on Instagram at the strugglebuspod follow Catherine on Twitter at spkheller follow me at Sally T. Uh, if you want to be in the group, uh, use use your regular email. Tell us your regular email, not the weird Facebook mail email. Become a <laughs> m- member if you want. Or say become a member. Um, what else? Is oh, that it? If you get an email from us saying, we just added you to the group, but let us know if you didn't get the email and we'll resend or try to fix it. For, I'd say, 40 to 50% of you, it doesn't work the first mm-hmm. time. So do not hesitate to email back and go, hey, it didn't work. And we'll we'll get you in. There's mm-hmm. different ways to get you yeah, in. Yeah, totally. But, so just don't we'll worry about happen. it. And do you, do you talk about the membership? I, well, I said become a member. A member Does that not right. count? Sorry, I was uh, looking at <laughs> Become that. a member for as little as $5 a month. And you get bonus episodes and a fair card. And it's just a really good time. Sorry, I was reading the thing when you said member. No, no like, problem. I'm just not going to pay attention. So listen, Song of the Week. I'm on a Dolly Parton kick, you guys. Nice. It's I, a good kick to be on. Islands in the Stream, Jolene, 9 to 5. Jolene. You may, Jolene. Oh, gosh. And I did not know this. She did some awesome covers. So I'm sure you've heard some songs that she wrote that other people covered and vice versa. But they say a really great song can be done in any style. Ooh. And this is originally done by Collective Soul. I it's saw that shine. and I was like, that can't be. Shut up. And she does oh a cover God. of it that I, is amazing. I saw this in the doc and I was like, this can't be what I think it is. It's religious. Holy shit. It is. I was walking through the city today listening to it and I was like, oh, Dolly is a queen. Let's I cannot just, wait to hear this. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. So anyway, yeah, Um, we'll, we'll uh, lead you out with that. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, I'm Kate. I'm Sally. Bye. Bye. Lay me on the ground, fly me in the sky. Show me where to look and tell me what to what a will I find yeah. Oh, heaven let your light shine down Oh, heaven let your light shine Ah, uh, water Real good for you. Mouth sounds. That's what people like on a podcast. They love mouth, mouth sounds. sounds. Let's do a podcast just called Mouth Sounds. <laughs> just chewing, smacking, slurping. <laughs> and now, Mouth Sounds. Welcome <clears throat> to Mouth Sounds. Okay. <clears throat> I could chew bubble gum. Oh, yeah? <laughs>